Come on, click on. Welcome everybody to the Chinchilla Pickin Podcast. It is November the twenty fourth, twenty twenty three, at two fifty seven p.m. It is Black Friday, y'all. As always, we hope to be edu- entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. My name is David Underwood, and I am joined by the one and only Brandon Beaver. Brandon, what's up, man? Hey, just uh, actually excited, excited to announce that I got a new job. Um... That, so that'll be fun. I got the next week off, so uh, plenty of time to work on our uh, next episode. That'll be coming nice. up. Um, actually, just started like me and the girlfriend just started both of us. Actually, um, she got into basketball cards, and so I'm kind of reigniting my love for sports cards myself, which is actually really it's just a money hole. But <laughs> there's some yeah. good potential investments in there for some old older baseball cards like you know old mickey mantles or maybe a pete rose rookie things like that gotcha ted williams you know those are all things that tend to go up in value over time yeah yeah of course i mean why not man i got a whole uh binder full of uh old cards of all kinds as well so yeah. got a sammy sosa rookie uh pedro martinez rookie um, a few others. Yeah. Junior Seau rookie. Okay. I had a junior Seau. I, I say out. I sold it. Say out, man. Not say Seau. Out. Come on, say out. Yeah, the unfortunate part about the basket basketball and baseball hobby is that the uh, sort of the eighties and nineties wax era, a lot of those cards just wound up being um, you know, pennies, if not that, not even worth the the money that they're printed on because there was a a baseball card, football card, basketball card bubble that exploded, um, and they were way overprinted. But you know, you could still find yourself some uh, some some decent uh, gold in there every once in a while. Maybe some King Griffey Junior rookies, any anything like that. You know, rarities. Michael Jordan, of course, is is always hot. Yeah, I have a lot of Michael Jordans. Um, one that was valued a lot that. Uh, um was a Michael Irvin hologram card I have from way back in the day. I might want it. I'm collecting cowboy stuff, of course. <laughs> I actually just bought a Jalen Tolbert. Go. I just bought a Jalen Tolbert rookie autograph card for 11 bucks. So I think that guy's got a decent amount of talent. He's just behind a lot of uh, all-star wide receivers on the Dallas right. Cowboys right now. So I don't know how much focus he's going to get, but. Well, I tell you what, man. People did not come here to listen about baseball cards. I, you know what? I, hold on. Speaking of sports, I got one more thing, okay? Oh Great Thanksgiving. Cowboys won. Deron Bland, the backup cornerback, breaking the uh, single-season record for pick sixes. He got his fifth one yesterday. Never been done in the history of the NFL, and he's a backup. Listen, you got Michael Parsons. You got uh, Demarcus Lawrence on that uh, defensive line. They're breathing down your neck. If you're a quarterback, you want to get rid of that ball real quick. And that sets up for some good pick sixes. And Deron Bland taking advantage of it. Okay. Anyways, Cowboys, who cares? <laughs> uh, back to the stocks and investments. It's Black Friday, Brandon. And for that, that is uh, that coin, that term got coined. Years and years ago was when retailers finally turned black instead of red all year. Uh, and that was because of sales and, and and shoppers going out getting ready for Christmas. Well, hold on. I got a little bit more of a history here. Actually, goes back to the 1950s when factory workers were not showing up the day after Thanksgiving. They dubbed it Black Friday because they had an employment shortage. And then the uh, um, the shopping industry, the retail industry adopted it. There you go. All right. Well... There is a lot, a lot of detail here, but we're in a, in a minute here. We're going to get into uh, what does all that mean? What's going on? We're going to have some earnings. We're going to cover uh, kind of what we teased last week. Um, and we got a few other things to cover as well. So rules, rules, rules. Brandon and I get together five to ten minutes before the show, and we tell each other what we're going to talk about. You hear the live discussion, the back and forth, the bicker, the banter right here on this podcast. Uh, Brandon, so let's let's talk about retail numbers and, and Black Friday. And what are you hearing as far as and where are you hearing it from? What's your sources as far as what people are expecting and what we've already seen? Uh, you know what? I think people are expecting a muted holiday season. Um, 
looks like expected sales so far um how for for black friday at least and black friday doesn't make the entire holiday season uh looks like about five and a half to six percent increase uh over year over year um I think, uh, no, hold on, hold on. Are you saying that because that's what Thanksgiving numbers came in at? Thanksgiving numbers. And All right, so you're saying that because of Thanksgiving numbers. Thanksgiving numbers, like you, you, you and I were talking right before, right before we started recording. And what, uh, hold on, one second, in. one second. I read this wrong. So it looks like it's about three to four percent. I think for for Black Friday, maybe six percent uh, for the holiday. And, and, and it's kind of just going back to pre-pandemic levels right now as far as increases in shopping goes. Go ahead, Dave. I'm sorry. I didn't mean to interrupt you. No, no, no. I It's cool. It's fine. Um, but so what, what I'm going to go off of here is the uh, earnings calls from all the big retailers, such as Walmart. Walmart came out and they said, hey, we're going to see we're not going to see as heavy holiday as as we expect. So did a number of the other retailers. Kohl's came out and said the same thing. In fact, the only major retailer that I'm aware of that came out and said opposite was Target. And I thought, and I, I, on the last show, I was really critical of them because I think they're doing that just to try to buff up the stock. Uh, um, well, Target, Target was not looking for any meaningful de- increases this year. What they were talking about for, was for the next fiscal year. Um, they were still expecting flat uh, to no growth holiday sales. So, okay. So everybody was expecting a, a very, in all the earnings calls we heard leading up to this week, very muted uh, holiday season. Not much going on. There's, uh, the consumer's not as strong as we expect. Um, however, yes, uh, yesterday during Thanksgiving, the numbers are out and the numbers are saying that there was a 5% increase year over year for Thanksgiving Day sales. Which, you know, you would say, hey, there's an increase, Dave. Why, why aren't you happy about that 5% increase? Well, when you think about where inflation's been most of this year, that to me means it's pretty much flat. Yeah. And and in the U.S. economy, we don't like to see flat growth because flat is pretty much, it's just basically saying you're, you're you know, somewhat negative. Um, we want to see, we want to see very, uh, a, a big positive growth. Um, but you can also say, hey, it's growth. Growth is growth. But that's top line numbers. What about bottom line numbers? We see uh, a lot of I've seen a lot of companies the past few weeks do job cuts as as to try to bolster the bottom line because the top line numbers are not coming in as hot as they would like. They're meeting expectations or just barely missing expectations. So they're doing job cuts in order to raise that bottom line and keep producing at a high level. Uh, th- those are my initial thoughts on the because the only numbers we have right now are Thanksgiving Day numbers. Um, as we look into it, I, I don't see a strong consumer. I see credit card credit card defaults. They went from three percent uh, uh, last year this time up to eight percent currently. Um, that's a concern. An five percent uh, jump in credit card defaults overall. Uh, I, I I get worried. I get concerned if it goes over ten. And I get that sources from CNBC this morning. Sarah Eisen was reporting that live on TV this morning, covering those numbers. That's where I, I got those numbers from. So I, I'm a little concerned on the credit card defaults, but the consumer is still out there spending nonetheless. I mean, you know, if you if you factor in inflation, take that three and a half percent out. If we have five percent growth for the holidays, real growth, and that's one point five percent. Oh, that's growth, then that's positive. Uh, I mean, it's meh. It's, it's positive. Yeah. Yeah. The, but does that say, say we're going to have a soft landing then? Um, that, hey, we, we're going to come down, but we're not going to crash. Hopefully. <laughs> you, you're very hesitant with that. Uh, you're very hesitant with that. So there, you know, we were talking about the transport sector a couple weeks ago, and and how you know overseas over airs down, and and domestics down. Everything in the transport sector is down. Part of me did start to wonder though, how much of that is muted spending on um, on uh, um, products that you know you don't necessarily need, versus how how much of that has to do with people spending that money on travel, and there's a 
kind of an abnormally large number of people still traveling right now. There's a record number of tourists in a uh, U.S. tourist in Italy over the summer, for example. So I I do wonder if when it comes to the transportation, if it's kind of a two two uh, uh, punch kind of thing going on, high inflation. Um, taking away uh, people, you know, from things that people don't need, but also uh, tourism, you know. So I wonder how much tourism is playing a, fact, a factor into that. People stop start, if they stop traveling as much as they are right now, if the freight industry will pick back up again, I don't know. Um, I'm still on the hard landing side. I'm still on a, on a recession. I think it'll be a... Um, not not a hard recession. I don't think it'll be you know steep like a two thousand eight recession kind of thing, but I think it'll be kind of a a, a mild recession. So, um, g- yeah. Well, one of the things I've always talked about as far as will affect whether or not it's hard or soft landing. I'm still in the soft landing camp. Is uh, going to be uh, the student loans and student loan repayments. Biden administration announced another uh, turn to take a whack at student loan forgiveness. Uh, with a new plan that just got announced this past week. Um, if that actually can get through, the last one did not. The last one got struck down, said it was uh, unconstitutional and legal in court, and so it got struck down, and they had to come back to the plate with something else. So they did. They came back to the plate, and they released it this week. Um, if this goes through, it's definitely <laughs> going to be a soft landing for sure. Um, if it doesn't go through, there, then that's your case where people are already paycheck to paycheck with no extra room, and now they got to make their student loan payments again. So that's going to be an issue. But also these things are never just like, uh, okay, here's what's going to happen. And that's the end of it. There's always unforeseen side effects uh, that happen, even with student loan forgiveness. Somebody, the money doesn't just, you know, like disappear. Somebody's losing yeah. money somewhere. It doesn't just go away. The debt just doesn't go away. You know what I mean? Yes. Yes. And so that's where you like to see where, how is it funded, right? Is this funded from bills that have already been passed that haven't used all their funding, or is this going to be new taxes and, and new uh, new printing of money to fund this? Yeah. And so that's the discussion. I haven't read the bill yet, so I don't know how that's going to go in effect and how it will affect everybody. Yeah, and of course, trying to keep a lid on inflation, you you don't want to see more money being printed. That doesn't doesn't help. That's that's correct. And I, I've talked uh, to. Uh, on this show multiple times about uh, when uh, Janet Yellen was the treasury and she was, and they were running out the inflation act and these other infrastructure bills. And they were saying that uh, in order for that, the GDP just has to stay above 5% for us to be able to pay for all these. And uh, I think what it was about three to four months later, GDP dropped below 5% and has stayed below 5% ever since. And has not gone back above. So we are, we are not, paying for them with uh, the money that we should be collecting from GDP growth. Uh, But yeah, I just want to get into the the holiday numbers real quick because it's that time of year. Again, we'll probably cover it again next week, give you another update of where we're at with Cyber Monday uh, numbers coming in, Black Friday numbers fully coming in, and we can give you a better idea of what's going on. Um, But for now, that's where we're at. All we have is Thanksgiving numbers. A 5% increase when you work in inflation is probably a 1% gain. So not much going on. Brandon, go ahead. I believe you have uh, the next topic, man. But real quick, uh, just talking about online shopping and, and and with this Black Friday and stuff, I think one benefactor, uh, one beneficiary of this is going to be two, actually. It will be Amazon, of course, as they always are. I think Meta Platforms um, now, they've got a... Um, They've got a partnership with Amazon now. You can just log into your Instagram account or your Facebook account. You can shop on there, click buy with uh, buy with Amazon, and your purchase is complete. Your shopping experience and, and social media experience have now integrated. Over half of G uh, of Gen Zers, I think it was, I think it was over half of Gen Zers, uh, say they shop on social media platforms such as TikTok or Instagram or Facebook now. Um, so I think, uh, that might actually contribute to a surprise and in, in the upswing of earnings for meta and advertising dollars. Um, there's going to be data sharing now when it comes to advertising between Amazon and meta platforms, which is also going to be beneficial. So, all right. So a couple of things here. Number one, TikTok has started, uh, they were going to sign a deal with Amazon, but they backed out the deal and they created their own way of shopping through TikTok. So they did not yeah. partner with anybody else. 
and I found that interesting uh, that TikTok said, nope, we're going to create our own shopping service. But, but it makes sense. It makes sense because if you are constantly being threatened by U.S. lawmakers with a U.S. ban, you don't want to tie your business model to a U.S. company. Right. Yes. Yes. I, I, I'm just putting out there as point of reference. Um, second thing is, I think this is a loss for Meta um, because Meta was able to sell these things through their own links and shops before, and now they're going to be going through Amazon's loss of revenue. I no, I don't think so. I think the Facebook marketplace will survive. It's kind of its own thing. I don't think it really competes directly with Amazon. Maybe competes with eBay more than okay. Amazon. Fair enough, fair enough. And then what's with the reliance on advertisements for a lot of these companies in order to head their top line and bottom line numbers? I see, uh, what is it, Instacart? Heavily reliant on ads. Uh, I mean, Facebook's always been reliant upon ads. That's how they make the majority of business. Uh, But a lot of companies, that's that's like DoorDash. They're reliant upon ads to produce a profit. Um, so it's, it's, these companies are really pushing these ads as, a, uh, and I don't know, are these ads really paying off? Cause if I'm advertising at 20 different places, I'm spending a lot of money you know, and then I want to know, is this really paying off for me here? For companies like Instacart, for companies like DoorDash and, and now the streaming companies like Netflix and, yeah. and they can't charge much more to their consumer base because there's so much competition in the industries that they're in. They have to rely on ads to make money because they have to lower their costs and do ad driven subscriptions and things like that to consumers to keep people watching their products or using them. Um, That's kind of their, you know, their way of keeping their prices low, but they have to. It's crazy. It's crazy. And I'm glad you brought the streaming services because yeah, they're being, there's all these, you know, get the ad supported uh, 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 plan at lower costs everywhere across the board there. And Netflix is the biggest one of the bunch, and they seem to be doing well with it. The first quarter they reported, they reported lower subscriptions than what was needed, and they had to pay at, and the advertisers had to actually pay less money than what they wanted. But since then, they have turned that around, and that has grown to now where the advertisers are paying the full price they agreed to. Dave, you want to see how much I've improved my transition game? Here it is. Okay? <laughs> Here's one company that just reported earnings this week that benefits from all of this. It's called NVIDIA. There you go. Nice. Right. My, I mean, it doesn't matter. But yeah, it's yeah. sure. Yeah, that's nice. All right. Sales for NVIDIA tripled to uh, $18.1 billion. Uh, knocked it out of the park again. Um, profit surged $9.2 billion compared to $680 million one year earlier. Wow. $9.2 billion from $680 million. Uh, So I got to say, uh, uh, I was really critical of NVIDIA the last quarter um, yeah. being overpriced. Uh, the hype was too much. There was no way. Um, I will say I was wrong. I was completely wrong, and I should have held on to my shares. Is though, here's my question to you, is the hype around AI also manifesting itself in chip sales? Yes, because these companies have to use NVIDIA chips in order to 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 run these AI programs. So Google so, and Microsoft are just tied to NVIDIA. So if this is if so, if it's hype though, is this sustainable? I don't know. If now here's the thing. Well, here's the, this is how you answer that question. If Google and Microsoft can actually turn these things into real world applications, then it's not hype. Yeah. Well, I think that's, they that's the difference. The question is, is how fast is it going to happen? And are we, are we pricing this in much too quickly, much like we did in, you know, 1995 through 2000 with the dot com bubble? I see where you're going. Yeah, yeah, you're 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 pushing the stock price up faster than what it needed to be going up. It needed to go up, but not at this rate. Yeah, and also sales. Yeah, to that effect. But the big surprise to me here, actually, and one of the things that I think that isn't really a hype right now because of slowing PC sales, uh, but the big surprise to me was gaming. Gaming's revenue of two point eight six billion dollars. That was up fifteen percent sequen- sequentially. Uh, and more than 80% year on year with strong demand um, going back to school. 
So that uh, so uh, first of all, everybody has to have a laptop nowadays it, for it school, does. for yeah. college and high school. You you have to have a laptop for college and high school nowadays. Um, my daughter just graduated high school. She's off in college. You have to have a laptop. That's just re- it's a basic requirement now of yeah. class. Um, so you're going to see that every back to school year, uh, people or parents are going to get their kids the uh, new tech so that they can stay competitive in their in their grades. Um, but you're also going to see things such as MetaQuest 3. Um, I know we're not expecting lots of sales, but let's say Meta built 10 million units, right? Mm-hmm. Each one's got to have a NVIDIA chip, man. <laughs> yeah, yeah, they do. Yeah, I mean, that just came out this this past month. So it's only been out for sale for one month now. Each one has to have a NVIDIA chip in it. So each unit is one chip that NVIDIA sold. So that that equates to a lot of sales uh, of Meta buying these chips just for their VR, not alone Meta buying it for AI, not alone Meta buying it for, you know, uh, streaming on uh, Facebook or Instagram. You know, Meta's buying up a lot of these uh, chips from the video, not just Microsoft and Google. We mentioned Microsoft and Google because they're focused on the AI. But you got to understand the other areas. When Meta comes out with a new headset, it has, it has a graphics chip in it from the video. And this new headset has 30% more uh, better graphics than the, the headset before. I love that. Hey, look, I'm up 121% on Meta. It does have a price earnings valuation right now, 30%. Um, I still think that I'm not, look, I'm not buying Meta because I'm already overweight on it anyways. There's no reason for me to. Um, but if you're not in it, I think you could dip your toes into Meta right now even. Now, here's also the thing to take into consideration. Uh, the two stocks we're talking about right now, NVIDIA and Meta, are the two biggest gainers of stocks in the major markets this year. Yeah. So you kind of have to take that in consideration. NVIDIA is number one, the highest percent gain this year of any stock. Meta is number two. So yeah. take that into consideration when you're buying it. You're buying it when it's had a huge run-up all year long. You're welcome. <laughs> and, all right so yeah. here's here's the red flag here's what everybody needs to pay attention to in my opinion when it comes to nvidia other than if the ai moment that we're having right now is a huge bubble that's something that you need to watch too uh, i mean after all ai chips uh, uh sales are 14.51 billion dollars uh the last quarter up uh from 3.8 billion dollars a year before so a huge driver in growth there for uh nvidia but the United States government, the Biden administration, announced that they're going to restrict exports of NVIDIA's most advanced chips to China. This is the second time this has happened, by the way. And, I was and, about to say, this is not brand yeah. new news so, here. No, th- what is brand new, though, is that NVIDIA, they um, kind of transformed their chip making for China in order to get a- around U.S. regulations that were passed last year. Um, I think it was the A800 chip that they uh, came out with that they could export to China that they're now no longer going to be able to export that either. Um, So that's kind of a headwind there. 22% of China's uh, or of uh, NVIDIA sales come from China. Um, Now they said that they don't expect to see a significant near-term impact on sales. But the CFO did say back in June that restrictions in the long run could lead to a permanent loss of opportunities for U.S. chip companies. Go ahead, Dave. I just want to say, if you're listening right now, you're probably like, well, why was the U.S. doing this? This is not, you know, this is not what the U.S. needs to be doing is restricting trade. We need to be opening up more trade with China so that we're not military opponents. Look, the reason why the U.S. was doing this and started down this path was because of what happened during the COVID pandemic. During the COVID pandemic, the U.S. had no chips here in the U.S. soil in order to produce things they needed to produce. So then the, after the COVID pandemic passed, U.S. started becoming very more territorial about keeping chips here. That's when we passed that $50 billion um, uh, bill in order to get uh, companies like Intel and NVIDIA to build manufacturing plants here, which is what they're doing. But they're also restricting how, what you can ship out so that we're able to have chips here in the United States. Yeah. Just a little background on what why these things came to pass. But go ahead. Yeah. So the Biden administration announcing that they're going to continue to reduce the types of semiconductors that American companies 
will be able to sell to China. They cited the desire to close loopholes in existing regulations announced last year. Uh, the new rules will increase the effectiveness of export controls and further shut off pathways to evade restrictions. The regulations expand export curbs beyond mainland China and Maca Macau, excuse me, wow, to 21 other countries uh, with which the United States maintains an arms embargo, including Iran and Russia. Uh, did you just mess up Macau? I did. I, I must have said Macau, Macau. really. Uh, Macau, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm going so, to the, uh, listen to Warren Buffet. <laughs> anyways, NVIDIA's H800A800 products will now be affected. Um, and But chips used in iPhones, video games, electric vehicles, those are carved out from the new rules and regulations, including, uh, according to administration officials. Um, but, uh, you know, they said, given the strength of demand for our products worldwide, we do not anticipate additional restrictions will have near-term meaningful impact on our financial results. Uh, but th she also went on to say, this is uh, Colette Crest, this is the executive vice president and CFO, the export controls will have a negative effect on our China business long-term. We do not have good visibility into the magnitude of that impact, even over the long-term. That's kind of what spooked investors. So even though they had to knock it out of the park, quarter again nvidia was down around two percent after that it was down again a little bit today um she they did say though that we are working to expand our data center product portfolio to possibly offer new regulation compliant solutions that do not require a license these products they make become available in the coming months we don't expect their contribution to be material or meaningful as a percentage of the revenue in Q4, which is not that big of a deal if they don't expect the regulations to have an impact on Q4 either, you know. Um, and as I said, China does represent 22% of NVIDIA's revenue. I don't think Biden's going to kill the golden goose here. Yeah, I uh, as far as like uh, whether or not uh, he's going to block Nvidia and really hurt the company in that regard, no, it's just it's going to continue. It's a continuation of uh, policies that were already set in place. Yeah, and I think that they're going to continue their partnership with the U.S. government. They'll find ways around these regulations. They'll find ways to abide by them. I I don't twenty two percent of of uh, the revenue coming from China. They're not going to kill that golden goose. I don't think it wouldn't make any sense for the Biden administration to do that right now. One of the things that they talk about is how far the stock market's come under his um, presidency, and he, the top gainer is Nvidia. Why would you cut the legs off of? Nvidia? Well, I mean, it's not that. It's it's also the fact that I mean Nvidia is very smart attorneys that they hire and pay a ton of money to to find these loopholes. Yeah, they will comb through the pages. They will use their legal expertise and they will find the ways around it. I want to give you a mind blowing stat here. One thousand two hundred fifty nine percent. That's how much Nvidia's profit expanded last quarter. On an annual basis. Man, I wish my profit expanded that much. I know, right? 1,259% gain on any stock in my portfolio, for example, would I, 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 I would be on a private jet to my own island. I, I would be I on a that. private I would be on a private jet to Macau. <laughs> nice i love how you slid that in there yeah i would i would be i would be gone i would be gone uh for at least a couple weeks and go have fun um but yeah that's that's ridiculous yeah wow nvidia monster company i completely got it wrong when i said they were overpriced uh they there is actual real growth behind the hype so they are going to continue are they going to continue growth yeah yeah, they'll continue to grow, but um, do you buy it at this current price now? Thought, Brandon, what do you think? Do you buy? I'll answer after you. I'll let you go first. I, I wouldn't. I wouldn't. I mean, other people might, and that's fine. I wouldn't. I'm worried about the reliance on the AI uh, hype right now. I'm worried a little bit more, you know, that we might be kind of get be getting ahead of ourselves as we often do on AI. I don't I don't think I, I stay away from anything that has hype on it. You know how I am. 
I say if you're going to buy it for a long-term position, then yes. Go ahead and put your money in, and uh, just don't do it for the dividend of three cents. (laughs) Um, But uh, uh, if you're going to put your money in, because over over the years, NVIDIA has shown that it can pivot and change and adapt with society and keep ahead of the curve. So they have very smart people working there. Um, who who are able to innovate and adapt at a quick rate. So you're you're investing in the company and the people in the leadership currently in, in place. And so if you're investing for a long term, yeah, sure, why not? It's founder led too, isn't it? Huh? Didn't Jensen found NVIDIA? Wasn't he the creator of it? I think I oh I don't know that off the top of my head. Don't know. Maybe I know I, I know over the past uh year we've had multiple people reach out on DMs on Instagram. And each time they've asked me, like, what's a good stock to buy? I've always said in the video. Yeah. Uh, just not recently. No one has reached out recently to ask for a good stock to invest with. Uh, but I wouldn't have said in the video recently. I would have said something else I'm going to cover here in a minute. But, you know, it is yeah. what it is. Are you I'm looking to see if he yeah, is? You're, you're looking to see if he is, aren't you? That's what I'm wondering. I'm like, I see you. I see you on my video here, and I'm like, hey, he's he's checking it out there. The CEO, the CEO Jensen Huang, he founded Nvidia 30 years ago, along with Curtis Priam and Chris uh, Malakowski, who I probably butchering that name, but yeah, it's founder led. Nice, nice, cool. All right, man. What else you got? That's it. Cool. All right. We're going to pivot and we're going to switch over to that company. I was saying I would recommend for on. And this is one that I bought and I called my buy and I'm finally up on it. And I'm very happy that I'm positive on it. Um, And here's why there's a couple things before we get into it. I'm going to say I did exit finally my Intel position. I got more than a 1% gain on it very happily because it jumped up. Um, So I ended up with almost a 5% gain, which you would think is great. But considering how long I held it, it was horrible for me. Uh, but hey, positive, positive. I, I made money. I didn't lose it. So I got to look at it from that, that perspective. Um, now that I got cash on Hando, you're asking, David, what are you going to do? Well, I've already made uh, entered a position into a company called Novo Nordisk. Novo Nordisk. Uh, this is another one that Brandon believes uh, in the hype. So he stays away. Um, but I, I am not staying away. I, I believe. So let me say this. I'm uh, the hype of the stock. Now I was saying the hype of the company. I disagree with that. Now I think the company's a good company. Oh, really? Nice. Thank you for changing your, your viewpoint on here. So yet again, uh, Novo Nordis and the uh, weight loss, uh, drugs have come out with yet another positive discovery of what these drugs can do. If you have fatty liver disease not caused by alcoholism, but fatty liver disease caused by weight gain, taking these drugs can actually get rid of your fatty liver disease. So it's another disease that that these weight loss drugs can cure. It's amazing, Brandon, that these drugs just keep coming out and showing what health benefits they have. Now it can be. It's not Tesla level valuations on this, like, you know what we saw years ago with Tesla, which wound up being a decent investment anyways. Right. But, you know, or even Amazon highs there. I mean, they're trading around 40 times earnings. That's, it's not excessive for what they're doing. Well, hold on. Let me get into some more stats here too, before you even, before you make some more comments, I want to, I want to cover some more things about this. All right. So a couple things here are uh, so we now that now they have another way that they can prescribe this and have insurance cover it for individuals. So because there are so many different ways that uh, you can prescribe this, there is still that supply crunch. They are building another they are building more than just one other uh, manufacturing plant currently, but it takes time to build the manufacturing plants. They can't make this this drug fast enough. Wagovia is selling everything they have as soon as they make it. It's going out the door and into the hands of individuals. Anytime that you have a company that has a product that they can't make fast enough and they're they're and they're building manufacturing plants with profits, not loans, that's a good that's a good company I want to invest yeah, in. That they have the cash on hand to just build a manufacturing plant without taking out a loan. I'm a buyer. All right. Yeah. Okay. 
So they're selling that much profit uh, of this. This is currently a six to eight billion dollar industry currently between Novo Nordis um, and uh, the Eli Lilly. Those are the two major companies that produce these weight loss drugs. So I, I'm in Novo Nordis. That's the one I have a position in. Eli Lilly is also a different one, but Eli Lilly has is much more diversified with its portfolio than Novo Nordis is. Novo Nordis has a number of other drugs they have as well out in the market, but Eli Lilly has a broader um, catalog for you to choose from. However, um, they estimate that at the current rate of growth and the current demand for these drugs, that this is going to be an over a, $100 billion industry in just one year. And if you don't own a piece of Novo Nordisk now, you're going to regret it a year from now is what I'm thinking. And this is my viewpoint on this. I am that bullish on this company. So I never make snap decisions. I've taken two weeks to try to figure out whether or not I'm going to leave my Pfizer position, which is the one stock that I have right now that's in the red. And it's pretty deep there, to be honest with you. I'm down about 20%. You think I should take out a, a Pfizer and then add to Novo Nordisk? If you were going to take out of it anyways and yeah. take the 20% loss, then yes. Yes, I'll I would be, say that. I'll be making that decision over the weekend. Right? That If you were going to take out of it anyways, I'm not saying go ahead and take the loss and take out of it and put it in this. I'm saying if you were going to do that anyways, go ahead. All I know is I came, I sold my Intel position, which now I have cash on hand, which makes me want to buy more, more either Novo Nordis or Eli Lilly, one of those two. The reason why I mentioned the, the catalog of Eli Lilly versus Novo Nordis, the weight loss drugs are going to have a more direct effect on the stock price of Novo Nordis than they will on Eli Lilly because Eli Lilly has such a broader catalog of other drugs they sell. Novo Nordis has a few other ones they sell, but not as many. So the the faster the weight loss drugs sell, the higher the stock price of Novo Nordis will move much faster than it will with Eli Lilly. That's why I'm looking at from a um, investing standpoint that Novo Nordis would be a fast a better investment because both are going to make tons of money here off these drugs. It's it's, it's going to continue going forward. There comes out of all these new health benefits of it besides actually just losing weight. So I think there's a great future here in these companies as far as investing for the purpose of these drugs. And I think Novo Nordis is the one that's going to have the biggest growth base off it in a stock price. There you go. That's that's my Novo Nordis coverage for right now. I, I've th I, I'm thankful I finally convinced you that it's a good company. I mean, it might be a good investment too. You're probably right. I think it is. I think it is. I mean, it's, they're profitable. They're they're not taking out loans to do stuff. They actually have the cash on hand. So I think it's a great company. All right, Brandon. Headlines got three quick headlines for you. You ready? Ready. All right. First headline. So hey, if you're listening right now, you're wondering about these headlines. Like, don't you guys talk about stuff ahead of time? Yes, I talked about. I mentioned to Brandon I was going to talk about Nova Nordis. We mentioned we're going to talk about Nvidia and the holiday sales. One thing I don't tell Brandon, he does not have no clue what these headlines are until I read them. So he has no idea what these are. So also didn't know you, I also didn't know you were going to use a double negative on this podcast. Right. I, I, I got to throw it all off here. I don't know why. I was raised to speak the King's English because I was raised in Britain. So um, yeah. here we go. Headline reads, iRobot shares close up 39% on report Amazon deals set to get EU approval. Finally, the numbers on this is Amazon made a, an announcement they were going to purchase iRobot vacuums about one year ago in August uh, of all last year. It was a $1.7 billion acquisition of the company. Um, iRobot is finally closed up because of the positive news that it's going to get approved over a year later. Wow. Nobody thought this deal was going to go through. This just marks another of Amazon's string of deals buying out smaller companies to grow its market. Uh, some of the other ones more well-known that it's bought was Whole Foods. Uh, they bought MGM. They brought, uh, bought primary care provider, One Medical. Um, so they've ventured into different fields by buying up companies. This one is actually just a product, but they went ahead and it's gone through. And iRobot shares on a Friday after Thanksgiving were skyrocketing off of news. Look at that. 
what a boring day other than that. <laughs> Any thoughts, I mean, on this, or, or are you not even going to bother with it? What did you say your, their sales were again? I didn't say, it doesn't go in to say what their sales were, and I did not look into iRobot sales. Um, but it does say that it was a $1.7 billion acquisition of the company, and the stock price closed up 39% today. Seems like a hefty price, but, you know, given their history of acquisitions, I, I, they're just, you know, getting into more and more different uh, industries here. It's going to be the Amazon. Umbrella Corporation yeah, soon. Exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. I mean, I love Raccoon City. <laughs> I, right. I expected more out of the Whole Foods thing. I mean, it's doing okay, but. Yeah, there you go. Another expansion of Amazon. Speaking of acquisitions, you know, uh, NVIDIA tried to buy ARM about a year and a half ago. Yes, yes. I covered that in that, that podcast, man. Don't you oh. remember? <laughs> okay. <laughs> uh, all right. So what we got here is next headline. This one is on uh, Bazinga. It just came out uh, about an hour and a half ago. So brand new headline. Um, and it's got some interesting news here. You might find interesting, Brandon, because it affects a lot of other companies. So China's lithium prices plunge to a 26-month low, um, and it goes into detail what exactly happened. There's a lot of things that ha happened all at once to make this happen. Um, ooh, let me see. Where do I want to start with this? Uh, da 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 you know, I'm going to start here. According to Zhang, prices could potentially drop to 100,000 won per ton by the end of the year with no signs of demand increase, meaning demand's pretty flat. There's a stark contrast from last November where prices reached nearly 600 won prior to China ending its national electric vehicle subsidies. So China cut prices out. What? Uh, they were nearly 600 won last year. A per ton. Now they're it's down. Currency, right? I think it is. It's the Chinese currency, won. Yes. Oh. Uh, and then uh, they dropped to a hundred won per ton, but in uh, by right now. Uh, so one of the uh, the key players in this is China ends their vehicle subsidies, so they cut their money going in, right? Yes. And then what actually happened was. The most actively traded lithium futures for January on exchange saw a modest 1% increase on Friday, today, closing the week at 124,051, or about $17,202 per metric ton. That uh, represents a 10% decrease over the week following a 7% decrease the previous week. Um, so Thursday alone marked significant 7% fall in prices uh, because their markets were open on Thanksgiving, apparently bringing them to less than half their value since the exception of trading in July. This was a sharp decline triggered by a test delivery for a new contract, which when this test delivery went public, it revealed a higher than anticipated availability of lithium, surprising all market analysts and traders. <laughs> so all of a sudden, this delivery of lithium that happened during this time just was so huge that they were like, wow, we have tons of lithium and demand's not going higher. Prices plummeted. So that must be, I, I go back to certain interviews I've seen with some of the key players here in batteries and, and EV and automobile. And I remember one from Elon Musk last week when he's being asked about supplies and he said, are you concerned about supplies in, in the future with your cars? And Elon said, no, I'm not concerned at all. Um, it makes me think that insiders like Elon and, and other big CEOs and multi-billionaires of the world have an inside track here, knowing that there's plenty of lithium going around. Um, but your quick thoughts on that, Brandon? Anything? No? Nothing? Have I stumped wait, wait, Brandon? Wait, wait, wait. No, 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 no. I'm, I'm, I'm solving this problem here because... I think the pronunciation of the Chinese currency is yuan, but it looks yuan. Like, yeah, I I could be wrong. I'm googling. Okay. You're googling my pronunciation. Thank you for correcting me my my grammar today. 
Korean. As, as I was raised in the British school system, then had to switch to American. My grammar is completely messed up. And you should see my writing, my handwriting. I write European style, not American style. So the Korean currency is won, W-O-N. That's why I got confused. Gotcha. Okay. You won. You uh, what won. A, a lot of weird things that have been happening in the metals market in the past couple yeah, of right? Yeah, like I covered the nickel one that happened earlier this year. I, now I'm covering the lithium one. This, But it seems they all are coming out of China. So I wonder if there's a problem with the supply chain uh, keeping track of proper inventories in China right yeah, now. Maybe. I don't know. I think we get lithium out of Afghanistan as well. Yes, yes. And this is this is lithium that's meant to be used in China facilities only. Yeah. And they just have an overabundance. And so now they're probably going to be selling it um, to all around the world to sell this off. But like my, my concern is like, what's wrong with your supply chain that you have no idea about your inventory? Right, right. You know, what's yeah. going on here? Well, there's a lot of corruption there. Yeah. It, I mean, in, in China like, and India. Mean, and At least the nickel thing, which would hurt uh, EV manufacturers like Tesla. Now the uh, lithium thing gonna help EV manufacturers <laughs> right. like Tesla and the battery uh, manufacturers. So there you go. That's a, that's an interesting article. I thought would uh, uh, make uh, make people wonder for a second what's going on over there. Uh, the last article here is, and this is Reuters came out at twelve forty three p.m. today. Um, Britain's Lloyd's Bank. Uh, if you don't know Lloyd's Bank, it's similar to like a uh, what would you say uh, a Bank of America. Uh, Lloyd's shakeup puts around 2,500 jobs at risk. So British Britain's biggest high street bank, Lloyd's, is putting around 2,500 jobs at risk, part of a shakeup. So they're trying to rearrange and redo the company. I've seen companies do this. I've been at companies that went through restructurings. Um, sometimes they work, sometimes they don't. Um, but a spokesman from Lloyd said, we are evolving and transforming our business to ensure we can do more for our customers and deliver the products and services they need. However, this news is coming after um, a Reuters report on Thursday that Barclays Bank was working on plans to save up to one billion pounds, uh, which was they were cutting 2000 jobs. So most people think this is a reaction to Barclays getting ahead of the ball and doing job cuts and to save money. And Lloyd's is doing catch up thoughts. Well, global interest rates increasing right now and, and central banks raising interest rates, putting pressure on uh, banks all around the world, at least in the northern hemisphere. Yes. And so here's the here's the thing, too, because I, I saw this on CNBC and Bloomberg this morning. I was. I had uh, I had a day to do nothing. I was relaxing, watching, you know, stock news channels because that's how I relax. I'm weird, um, but I'm watching it, and uh, a lot of people were talking about. Uh, there was two two analysts that came on CNBC and said that uh, the the Federal Reserve needs to at some point start go ahead and cut in rates so that we don't see these um, regional banks fail anymore and it really hurt and affect the bigger banks. And, you know, my thought to that is you guys should be running your banks more effectively and efficiently so that you aren't, you know, going to fail because of interest rates. Right. You know, that's, that's, we should not have to save these banks. I am not, I'm not for too big to fail. I'm sorry. I, I believe that these banks, if they run themselves poorly, they should be allowed to, uh, fail. Yeah, it's plenty plenty of heads up. Plenty of heads up. We all knew interest rates were going to increase. We all knew the Federal Reserve was going to have to do it. Global uh, central banks were going to have to do it. There's there's no surprise to any of us. Right. And the British, they, they raised their interest rates above 10% at one point yeah. um, in, in trying to bring down their, their inflation because their inflation was much higher than ours. And that was due to uh, heat and oil, natural gas, because uh, the Nord Stream pipeline, which ended up being sabotaged, uh, was... Uh, not pumping out uh, the natural gas to them. So they were, uh, they, they had good cause to go above 10%. The American interest rate is currently sitting at five and a half percent. And so I don't think we're in a position to do any cuts right now. And I don't think we need to be putting that out there to Jerome Powell. In fact, I think the feds is going to be very more resilient now and say, no, you're not going to tell us what to do. We're going to raise 25 basis points now because you guys are coming out saying all this stuff. Well, well. I think it's going to come around and bite them is what I think. 
Yeah, if the, the part one of the indicators that they're looking at is the stock market, they don't want the stock market going off the rails. And so, if, if the um, S and P five hundred or the Nasdaq go on a super rally, the Federal Reserve is actually more likely to raise interest rates or keep them higher for even longer. Exactly, exactly, um, and that's that's a concern. But and I uh, I had a uh, I saw uh, three interviews. Uh, one one interview specifically was with the. the a gentleman who uh, is a CEO of a company that owns a lot of restaurants, chains, and um, uh, commercial real estate, and so on and so forth. And he was on CNBC today, and he was doing an interview, and he said, look, I've opened multiple restaurants in multiple states over the past month. And every time we have about 80 um, job openings at each one of these these restaurants, and right now we're getting anywhere of 800 to 1,000 applicants for each time we open. So this unemployment number, he said, this unemployment number that we're seeing, I don't know if that's accurate or not. It's different from market to market, you know, in different cities and things like that. But I don't think it is either. Uh, yeah. a, lot of, a lot of the numbers that we're seeing just don't make any sense. It doesn't. And, and maybe it's because a lot of people uh, dropped out of the job market during the pandemic, never came back to not being counted. Yeah. You know, that that could be it as well. Yeah, they were Ubering, they were door dashing. Right. And now those aren't as uh, lucrative anymore as they were. Brandon, uh, that's all I got. Uh, Let me hear your final thoughts, man. Um, You know, I'm just interested in seeing what the holiday numbers are going to be when it's all said and done. We're just seeing estimates right now. We're not seeing the actual sales for Black Friday at the moment because we're recording this on Black Friday. I think by the time this will be posted, it'll be Monday, but... Um, I'm, I'm definitely interested in the uh, holiday sales and looking forward to that. We've got some retail and, and uh, tech earnings coming up again next week. So uh, next week's show should be pretty easy for us to write and pretty fun for people <laughs> to listen to, hopefully. I hope so, man. I hope we always we always try to make it a little bit of fun and, and, and teach a little bit. I might post a, a TikTok or two about different things, PE ratio, price book ratios. Uh, keep on the lookout for that as I try to explain some things. And maybe one of these TikToks, I explain the Greeks. Everybody wants to know what those mean. Why? Why are you even looking at that? Why is that even on my option trading? What does this mean? Right, yeah. Yeah. That's not a lot of people can explain that effectively. I think Brandon does it the best, but uh, I will I will give him my shot at it. Finally so. up on I'm finally up on Disney. That's news. <laughs> you I are. Was once, I was once uh, getting beat down about 20% on that. It never once did it cross my mind to sell that company like it's crossing my mind to sell Pfizer. But yeah. there you go. There you go. So uh Novo Nordisk, that's my buy. That's my my buy and hold for right now because I believe for the next year it's gonna it's gonna jump up if not. I mean I, I honestly I feel comfortable saying that there's a chance that it could double in the next year. Honestly I feel like there's that opportunity for that because of how much they're selling. I will let me make a prediction here. So you're saying that'll double? I'm okay. saying that, I'm saying it's a pos- There's a good possibility that it could double. That's okay. what I'm saying. I'm not saying it will. I'm saying they have. There's they're selling enough. They can't keep up with demand. There's that that opportunity there. I'm gonna give a couple caveats here. As long as there's no escalated tension with China, and if I'm wrong and there's no hard landing, I think Nvidia might double. Okay. All right. Yeah, I can see that. I can see that. Now, if there's a hard landing, this is one of the reasons why I'm I'm not investing in it, is that I do think that the AI thing is a lot of hype right now, and I think somebody's going to take a pin and poke poke that uh, that balloon if there is a hard landing. Gotcha, gotcha. There you go, man. All right. So as always, guys, we hope we have been entertaining, educational, and uplifting because we want everyone to make money. Have a good night. Have a good night.